Hello, Fellowship. I have an important announcement today that requires your prayer and participation. As a church body, it's time to nominate new elders to the Elder Board, as four of our current elders will be completing their terms of service next summer. In our church governance structure, the Elder Board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of all the congregations of fellowship. We are not a church with elders, we are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. And here is what we're asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Then, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to make a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. Or if you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick one of those up in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the qualifications of an elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 19th. Please pray for your elders as we initiate this process. Our desire is to be sensitive and responsive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And finally, we would like to thank Rod Easley, Steve Lampkin, Dick Nervig, and Steve Weber for their years of service as elders. They have served the Lord faithfully and diligently during their tenure and have represented you well. When you see them, please thank them personally. Blessings to each of you for your prayers and participation in this phase of the elder nomination process. Thank you. Hi, Fellowship Bentonville. Mickey Rapier and I just want to come to you during the holiday season and to thank you, first of all, for your generosity. Uh, really, even getting Fellowship Bentonville off the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, this congregation was birthed out of your hearts and through your prayers and through your generosity. And we know that and are grateful for that. But one thing Fellowship has done historically is practice another kind of generosity at the year end. That is we give to something we simply call the gift. And the gift is an opportunity for us to give a special year end gift that we pool together as a body and then the elders disperse that to ministries and to other operations around that just continue to bless, not just fellowship, but ministries even all across the world at times. Mm -hmm. Last year, this body gave collectively $660,000. Amazing. An incredible amount of good. Mickey, tell us about the history of the gift and even where this idea came from. Yeah, Robert Cup and I were reminiscing about this the other day. We were trying to figure out just how long we've been doing the gift. And we think it's definitely over 20 years. But it came about when Robert Cup and Gary Harrell and I were sitting around a table and, and, and thinking about Christmas. And uh, we were just reflecting that we give gifts to family, we give gifts to friends. But the one who's done the most for us, we didn't have a mechanism for giving back to him. And so we instituted the gift as an opportunity for the people of fellowship to give a gift to God 
during the Christmas season. And, and you're right, the people have been tremendously generous through the years. The elders take what has been given every year and they determine. Sometimes back in the very beginning, uh, all the funds were used for fellowship projects that we had going on. And that's still true today. Sometimes it's dispersed, as you said, locally, regionally, and globally. But uh, whatever the case, uh, you know, our, our giving is an act of worship. Mm -hmm. And so we give back to God and uh, God has blessed this church and so many others through the gift. Yeah, it really has blessed a ton of others and ministries that we know and partner with all mm -hmm. the time that we're able to substantially uh, bless at the end of the year. Uh, we want to ask our families to do this, for each household to pray about how you'd want to participate in that. Our household's doing the same thing. And then just take the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit and respond to that and give as generously as God's prompting you to give. Uh, you can do that easily online. That's the easiest way to do it. If you'd like to grab an envelope and write a physical check, you can go out to the community booth after any service and pick up an envelope, and that'll be the mechanism you can use. But we do want to ask you to continue living as generously as you have been so far. God bless you, and we hope the holidays are fantastic. God bless. You guys know that today is the first day of Advent? Advent is a four-week period where we anticipate and celebrate the coming of Christ Jesus. And families, when I had younger sons, one of my favorite, favorite times was to gather around our Advent wreath that we had made and light Advent candles together, do family activities that Fellowship had given us, and read scripture together. And parents, if I'm real, some of my not so best memories were gathering around the Advent wreath, lighting Advent candles, reading scripture together. And so thankfully, perfection is not our aim, but faithfulness. And so I have, we have an amazing resource for you that we'd love for you to pick up on your way out today. This is geared towards elementary aged kids and middle school age families that I encourage you. I, I plan to do some of these discussions and scriptures with my older boys as well. It's a great, great resource for you. And other resources. Adults, did you get an uh, Devo in your inbox this morning at 6 a.m.? If you did, that means you have subscribed in the past to the Fellowship Devo resources. And so if you haven't, you can scan this QR code and subscribe, and each morning you'll get a Devo written by our Fellowship staff. And then another thing is music in your home. Have you added the Fellowship-released Advent and Can You Hear the Sound albums to your Christmas playlist this year? If not, wherever you stream your music, just type in fellowship worship, and you will, you will not want to miss out on that great music. Lastly, uh, it's already four weeks until Christmas, so you're probably making your plans. Let's take a look at the holiday schedule. You, we have four options, and so as a family, you guys decide which one works best for you. Two o'clock, three, thirty, or five on Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas Day, Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. 
So we look forward to worshiping with you then. And now I'm going to kick it over to Danny. Well, as a member of the elementary team here at Fellowship, it makes my heart so happy to see all of the families in this worship center right now. We're so excited to worship together as, as a big family, but with our immediate families as well. And it's our desire to, to do these kinds of family services several times throughout the year. Um, and our hope is that we create a culture where Sunday morning, families are integrated and families are connected because we believe the church should be one of those places where families are most connected throughout the week. It's also so important for our children to see mom and dad and, and other adult followers of Jesus worshiping and praying and growing together. Uh, so that's some of the vision why we're doing this and why we'll do more in the future. Um, and now as one body, as one big family, we're entering into this season of eager anticipation. And whether you've celebrated Advent for years or you don't know what that word means, this video, I think, will stir our hearts in preparation for this season. So let's watch this together. Advent, a season of expectant, purposeful waiting for the fulfillment of the prophetic promises of Scripture. A season of inspiration found in the remembering and retelling of the stories from the first Advent as Israel awaited the arrival of their Messiah. Messiah. As we reflect on the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of our Creator God, themes of hope, peace, joy, and love emerge, teaching us now, in the second Advent, how to be purposeful in our waiting. Encouraging those who lack hope. Bringing peace where there is strife. Spreading joy to the broken. And selflessly loving others, all the while looking forward to the return of Jesus and his good rule and reign in the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. We're away without hope, without light, till from heaven you came around. There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin king the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Well, good morning, fellowship family. Let's stand together. And I want to just invite us uh, to take a moment to just breathe. Just, just close your eyes, maybe just take a deep breath and let it out. And then I want to invite you to just be here, to really be here, to present yourselves before God this morning, to bring your heart, to set your mind on Him, to come with all that you are to worship. There are distractions that you could just lay them down for just a brief period of time this morning to focus, to refocus on God.
Let's sing this together. Fellowship. We are the Ohm family. I'm Eric. I'm Beth. I'm Lisa. I'm Jaden. I'm Isaac. And we live and serve in Southeast Asia. And this morning, as we light the prophecy candle of hope, 
Please hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 9-2, first in the language that we speak over here. Bangsa yang berjalan di dalam kegelapan telah melihat terang yang besar. Mereka yang diam di negeri kalaman atasnya terang telah bersinar. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the light that you bring through your son. Thank you that we carry that light with us wherever we go, whether we're in the States or in far reaches of the earth. Thank you for the hope that your light brings to all men who would choose to believe. We ask these things, Lord, and we are thankful for your provision through your son. In your name, amen. And kami mau mengucapkan selamat hari Natal. Merry Christmas. Tuhan memberkati.
Lord Jesus, we stand in honor of you, the one who has come, the one who is here, the one who will come. Lord, our past, our future, indeed even our present, it's surrounded by you, caught up in you. And we're asking now that you would arrest and captivate our hearts and minds towards you as well. We're distracted people. But this morning we're asking you, would you love us so specifically that you would raise our vision and set it upon you? You've done so in song and in the lyric there. We're asking now that you would use your best and brightest light, the light of your word. Open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to your word. We do want to grasp more of Jesus. For we love him and we worship him and we're grateful for him and we gather in his name. Amen. Good morning. You know the beauty of uh, sitting on the front row? I get to have vision of a choir that's leading me in front of me and also one that's leading behind me. You all sound great this morning. You won't be offended if I tell you that the choir in front of me was a bit cuter though, right? Because you would agree. I know you would. So good to have our students jump in on that. And uh, the, uh, I'm just telling you, the palpable uh, excitement behind uh, the stage before uh, things started up this morning uh, it was like walking into an elementary school cafeteria or recess or something. And great job with our worship leaders herding squirrels out in, or, in line and ordering them. It was beautiful. Hey, I hope you had a great holiday uh, weekend this weekend. Um, when I was an elementary student, so students, if you're in here, when I was about your age, at this exact time of year, I don't know a single kid in our neighborhood who didn't look forward to the same thing coming in their mailbox. In fact, every one of us ran out to the mailbox to check for this one very special item. Because just about the beginning of Thanksgiving, this would arrive in your mailbox and kick off the Christmas season. Any other children of the 60s and 70s know what I'm talking about here? The Sears Catalog Christmas Wish Book. Now, it, if you don't know what it is, this catalog was so thick, it was the size of a phone book, which means I've lost at least a third in here because you don't know what a catalog or a phone book is. So you're just going to have to trust me, okay? Think of something that was about the size of my Bible arriving in your mailbox, and every page was pictures of that year's latest and greatest toys. My brothers and I did what every kid did. We fought over that catalog. We wrote our names next to everything we wanted, which pretty much meant we colored on every page. This became our Christmas wish list. And this is what we pinned our hopes on. And I wonder sometimes if believers in Jesus look at their hope for Christmas and treat it sometimes like a Christmas wish list, that our hope is pinned on the wishes that we hope will happen. And yet, our story is so different. Our hope is actually pinned on a, on a different book that tells a different story and gives a different kind of confidence and joy. In fact, we often read the story of Jesus' birth from Luke chapter 2, and we probably will do so on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning if you pick one of those services. But in almost every Christmas service I've been in, we stop reading in Luke chapter 2 when the shepherds go and see Jesus in the manger, 
And then we end and leave off at verse 20 where they're heading back to their fields, glorifying God and praising him. But that's not where this book finished the Christmas story. This book has two more paragraphs that tell the Christmas story that continue on. Let's read the rest of the Christmas story that's often skipped in our Advent services. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 21 is where we pick it up again. When you pick up in Luke 2, 21, we see that when eight days were completed so that it was time for his circumcision, he was also named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what has been stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young doves. Verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and he blessed God and he said, now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband for seven years after marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She did not leave the temple grounds, serving night and day with fasts and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continuing to speak about him to all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I have heard, I will probably hear again, that in order to understand the wonder of Christmas, you have to see Christmas through the eyes of a child. I disagree. I think if you want to understand the wonder of Advent, we have to see it through the eyes of this elderly couple who knew exactly what they were looking at the moment that they saw the Christ child. For they were looking for this Savior long before they actually laid eyes on him. You know, one of the things that I think is almost most special at Fellowship Bentonville over this year that we launched is that on any given Sunday morning when we gather, it is a multi-generational feast. In fact, look around right now. Is it not a beautiful thing to see so many generations gathering together, almost looking like my Thanksgiving uh, this last week, every time we gather? And there is nothing more precious than seeing vibrant believers in Jesus who might be 94, who is our oldest saint, 
all the way down to vibrant believers who could be our preschool students, all gathering and looking for the same thing. Yeah, all of us, whether you're at that 94-year-old spectrum or down to the preschool-age spectrum, need to see Advent in the same way this elderly couple did that first Christmas in Luke 2. You see, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple at six weeks old for his baby dedication. According to the Old Testament law, their family was required to bring a sacrifice. It tells us much about their economic status and that they gave the smallest sacrifice allowed by the law, two turtle doves. And when they arrived with their newborn son, this elderly couple was already in the temple looking for the Christ who would come. They were waiting. They were looking for him. We know that Anna is 84 years old. We don't know how old Simeon is. We just know that he's old enough that he says he's at the end of his life. But regardless, this elderly couple, they get it. They know what hope is all about. And for them, hope is not a wish that they're pinning their lives to and, and wanting to see happen for them. A hope for them is not like my childhood Christmas list. For Simeon and Anna, hope is a patient, expectant waiting. In fact, hope, well, it's not something that we wish for. Hope is something that we wait for. And it's this hope that gave Simeon and Anna a grit and endurance in fact, I don't know how Anna walked around the temple day in and day out, but this hope put a bounce in those arthritic limbs. Uh, I don't know how Simeon's eyesight was at his age, but this hope put spark of life in his eyes. Last week, as Mickey was wrapping up our series in Ephesians, uh, he had a one-liner in there that captured me, and I wrote it down. He said, you know, my personal definition of hope he said is this, hope is a relentless anticipation of an unseen reality. Isn't that good? You know why it's good? He stole it from Simeon and Anna. He just didn't give them credit. But don't you see the relentless anticipation of this, this unseen certain reality that Simeon and Anna lived with? And this is what gave them the endurance and the grit and the bounce in their step. So could we look real quickly at three ways hope actually happens in the human heart? Let's just lift some things from their story. And the first thing you see is that hope is tied to vision, right? Hope is tied to their vision. Because Simeon and Anna, I don't know if they knew each other, but they share a common trait, and it was their vision. Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Anna was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Notice that their hope is not tied to wishful thinking. Their hope is tied to vision. They looked forward. Actually, even the word picture in the original language has a sense of leaning into something as though they're certain that it's coming and the moment they see it, they want to grasp it with both hands. It's a beautiful thing to see an elderly couple walking faithfully through the decades with this kind of leaning in hope. Brothers and sisters who are more advanced in age than some of us around you, 
Thank you for leaning forward with confident expectation and hope in your Christian life. It creates a model for the rest of us to join you in. But what did this elderly couple look for that Christmas, that Advent? Interesting that the Holy Spirit has chosen to actually tell us what their Christmas list was. And you notice for Simeon, he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And Anna was looking forward to redemption for Jerusalem. So consolation, redemption. Those are not two words that we often put down on our list, is it? But we do think about them all the time. All the time. Consolation means comfort. Redemption means deliverance. And this was a couple that was looking for their comfort and their deliverance to come only from God. That's what they were looking for. And you know what? Their vision tells us something about their heart. Because you know that what you look for is actually what you care about most. Where we set our eyes is what we've already set our hearts upon. What you look for reveals your heart. This week, right before Thanksgiving and family member arrive, I made a note in my journal during my time with the Lord. Lord, I want to see more of Jesus more clearly this Advent. I don't want to just press through the grind. I want to grasp a fresher picture of you. My hunch is that's what you're looking for too this Advent season. And yet, in the moments that I'm more honest and more courageous, I have to realize I'm also looking for something else. You see, my wife has noted that I tend to be grumpier between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Every year for 36 years. Although she would probably say I've grown better in that over the years. Why does the grumpiness set in? It has to do with what I'm also looking for. I somehow told my mind that hope and peace and joy and love, you know, the things that the Advent candles will stand for, that they are going to be found in a hassle-free holiday. Is there such a beast? No, that's a unicorn sitting next to a leprechaun with a pot of gold under a rainbow. Good luck. No, Hope doesn't come from experiencing whatever I think I'm looking for in a hassle-free existence. Hope comes from tying my eyes to a certainty of what God can provide. Lisa's kidded me at times saying that when I lock my hope or my vision in there and the grumpiness starts to rise, she calls it GMS, grumpy man syndrome. It sets in. And all it is is a callback. Raise your vision. Raise your vision. Hope is always tied to your vision. And we can raise our vision to something that God has promised. He loves us too much to promise us a hassle-free life, but he loves us just how we need to be loved best, by sending us a Savior who brings us comfort and deliverance from the things we struggle with most, which is sin and death. Hope will only uh, set its eyes on what it has its vision on, and whatever you're looking for already shows what your heart desires. And Simeon and Anna, we see what their hearts desire. Their hearts desire a promised rescuer to come to them. And their whole long lives, they look forward to him. Hope's tied to vision, 
But it's not just high division. Hope is also anchored in faith. And you see that in Simeon and Anna. They have faith in the promised coming deliverer. deliverer. That's the foundation of their hope. These promises that they heard of the coming Christ, these were ancient promises given by the prophets centuries ago. In fact, the last time they had heard a prophet was 400 years earlier. Silence since then. Did their faith waver because of the silence? No. They just anchored back to what God had already said. And what God had already said was enough to hold their faith firm and allow their hope to take off. Simeon and Anna were anchored in a hope and a belief of God's ancient promises. And guess what? So are we. Because we will read all month long promises that came to us 2,000 years ago. And we will anchor our faith into the certainty and the truth of those promises. And it will ignite hope in the same way. I mean, think about it. The first candle that we light in Advent is actually called the prophecy candle of hope. You might say it this way. The ancient, certain, age-old promises of God that can never change kindle of hope. And that's what anchors our faith in such a way that it provides a living hope. Look at the way the Hebrew writer says it. In Hebrews 6, he says, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and reliable, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. You have a deliverer who's gone in front of you to the presence of God and who represents your best interest on his behalf. And God looks at him and sees us wrapped in him. And that's our hope, as ancient and sure as the Hebrew writer said. Verse 11 says, Now faith is being sure of what we've hoped for and certain of what we do not see. So a living hope looks forward to the future, right? It looks forward to the future and sees something coming for us. But at the same time, it's also anchored back to the past. And when those twin holding points hold us, the past and the future, our present becomes changed. Hope doesn't leave us the same kind of people. In fact, what we see from him, Simeon, and Anna's story is that hope actually leads to peace and to joy. You remember Simeon's words? Lord, I can die a happy man because I'm a man at peace. I've been looking for your salvation and I see it in him. It's time to go home. I'm satisfied. That's peace. Anna doesn't tell us she was overjoyed, but she shows us. I don't know how much her arthritis had set in at 84. All we know is the scripture records her bouncing around a very large temple court, telling everybody she met about the hope that's been fulfilled in the Christ child she saw. Hey, don't forget that the first candle that we light, the prophecy candle of hope, leads to the next one, a candle of peace, and then a candle of joy. If it's not anchored in the reality of our hope, 
hope in the future promise of God, hope in the past work of God, (laughs) peace and joy are just a con game. But because ours is a Savior who has come and is coming again, peace and joy are an experience of life. That's why we sing songs in Christmas carols with lines that we love. That line, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Our hope is grounded in something that's sure. And so we continue to sing of him. as we sing this old familiar Christmas carol together.
Please be seated. So hope is not something we wish for. Hope is something we, we wait for. And we know a little bit of what it's like to be Simeon and Anna. No, honestly, that's not too far a stretch for us to go. Because we too wait and hope for God's promised rescuer. See, Advent is our season to look back on the first coming of Jesus Christ. But Advent is also a reminder that we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. At his first coming, he dealt with sin and death on the cross and in the resurrection. But in his second coming, he will make all things new and set all things right. And I live in a world that aches for all things to be made right. So we too are a people who wait with confident expectation. Ours is a hope that will produce the same kind of peace Simeon experienced, the same kind of joy that Anna experienced. In fact, Peter, uh, Jesus' apostle, wrote it this way to a church that was wrestling and struggling with why the world was not working like it was supposed to work. And he said in 1 Peter chapter 1, the text on your screen is written in the NIRV, which is the New International Version, the reader's version, written for about the elementary age reader. That's why I love it. Listen to the punch and the clarity of the voice. Give praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth and a living hope. This hope is living because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's anchored in a past tense promise. He has given us new birth so that we might share in what belongs to him. This is a gift that can never be destroyed. It can never spoil or even fade away. It is kept in heaven for you. Through faith, you are kept safe by God's power. Your salvation is going to be completed, future tense. It is ready to be shown to you in the last days. And so we wait with a confident expectation called hope. Our hope is alive because Jesus Christ is alive and risen, but our hope is alive because Jesus Christ is coming again. That was actually the vision that Jesus set before us as a church before he went to the cross. He gathered his disciples together at the last Passover meal he celebrated. And in that last Passover, he gave them a vision of taking communion forever until he comes again where they would look back on his first coming, but also look forward to his second coming. Look at the way Jesus says it in his own words. Luke chapter 22. When it was time... Jesus sat down, all the disciples with him, and said, you have no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter my time of suffering. It's the last one I'll eat until we all eat it together in the kingdom of God. See, even before he picked up the cup and the bread, he cast a vision to the past and to the future. 
Because after saying this, he picks up the cup and the bread and he says, every time you gather and you eat and drink in my name, eat and drink in memory of me. Looking back on the cross and in the resurrection, but also to his second coming where all things will be set right and be made well. As we celebrate, we're gonna celebrate with a full, confident hope, anchored to past promises but also tied to a future vision. The ushers will pass communion elements to you. They'll be the prepackaged ones to make it easier for our children among us this morning. Parents, you may have to help them open that. And once everybody has been served, then we will eat and drink together after we worship, and Danny will lead us through the elements. Let's continue in a confident expectation. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sin.
Hallelujah. Wow. Guys, Christ, he's not just words in our Bible or just part of the atmosphere in this room. His spirit lives inside of us. That is our living hope, our guarantee, as Paul calls it. Well, I'm so excited that we're gathered together as one big family this morning, the family of God. Yet so many of us are gathered here in our immediate families, which is so cool. And I want, you, I want to invite you, if you're with your family, to huddle together as we are about to take communion. Get close to one another. And I want you to keep your eyes up and practice some Jesus hospitality. Because if there's somebody in the room who looks like they're here by themselves, that's a brother and sister. Invite them into your huddle. Get close to each other. I want you to look into each other's eyes and think about the fact that the person standing next to you could be the person sitting next to you when Christ returns and we share this meal at his table. Now take the bread. We can really call that bread. Peel back that first layer. And take that which represents Christ's body, which is broken for us. And eat in remembrance of what Christ has done. And in hope 
of what he will do. And take the cup, which represents Christ's blood, poured out on the cross for us. And drink it in remembrance of what Christ has done and in hope of what he will do. Jesus, we love you and we remember you. We remember your birth, your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this moment. We praise your name and we gather together in your name. In remembrance and in hope. Fellowship family, it is an honor to take this meal with you. And if you'd like prayer after the service, our team will be down here at the front to connect with you. And before we dismiss, I want to speak this blessing over you from 2 Thessalonians. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word as you leave this place this morning. And continue to practice some Jesus hospitality by introducing yourself to somebody you haven't met on your way out this morning. Have a great morning.